Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. I'm Lisa Fisher, a longtime broadcaster and journalist in Arkansas who's been in front of a microphone or a camera since the 1980s. I think of myself as the queen of Arkansas media. For this episode, Lori Whitman tells her story of how eating in a time-restricted manner allowed her to lose the weight she wanted to manage her horses and play with her grandchildren. You'll get to meet her right after this. What do we all say is the most important thing we have? Don't we say it's our family? Yes, and the folks at Ralston Family Farms say the same thing. Those are the people I've been telling you about, 10 generations of farming right here in Arkansas. Now, those of you listening all over the globe, we are so proud of our Arkansas product that is now sold in China. We're so proud of our Arkansas product because it's a single family farm offering the rice, only the rice that they grow. That's what they sell. They're not a co-op. They're not a commodity. It's the legacy of these generations of farmers who have passed down a love for growing good food, from marketing to web design to crop rotation. All of those things, all of those choices run through the filter of family at Ralston Family Farms. I went to my favorite grocery store today in Arkansas, found it on the shelves. If you cannot find it on your shelves, ask your grocer for it or go to their website and order it. See where you can get it. RalstonFamilyFarms.com. She won most talkative in high school, and she has been running her mouth ever since. Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast with your host, Lisa Fisher. But what I want to know is, um, so I saw your story on one of the uh, social media platforms that intermittent fasters huddle in. And your pictures are so amazing. Now, Lori, I want you to tell me your story and the amazing story that goes with that. Okay. Um, I would say um, I was never one that had a huge weight problem growing up in, in school, high school even. Um, I was never, never went on any diets or anything like that. Like I was always okay with how I was. Um, then by the time I started having children, I started putting on weight and just kind of would let it go because I didn't really ever know what to do about it. And I was against dieting because I never really had any willpower to diet and I didn't want to worry about what I was eating. And over the years, you just put on a few pounds. You go through menopause, put on a few pounds here and there every year. And before you know it, you just think, well, this is... This is just what I have to accept. This is part of getting older. I mean, even doctors tell you that. They just say, well, that's part of getting older. And um, in 2021, around April or so, someone posted a picture of me on Facebook. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's me? Like, I just couldn't believe that was me because I had put on so much weight. I don't know if it was due to COVID and being more relaxed or what, but... And I still didn't really know what to do about it. And in the back of my mind, there's a name you don't really hear a whole lot about, but I I had seen this girl on YouTube. Her name was Becky Gillespie. And I thought, I saw some videos of her and talking about menopause and women my age and talking about um, diet. And I, I never really watched her too much because I didn't want to have to worry about what I was eating. and watching, counting calories and all that kind of stuff. But I thought, well, I do need to do something. So I went on YouTube and I tried to find her. And while looking for her, I randomly 
came upon Jason Fung, which was um, the best thing that could have happened, as you know. Um, so I watched a video of his. It was like a two-hour-long video, like a TED Talk or something, and I was like, this makes so much sense. And, you know, I never knew about how your insulin spikes simply because you put something in your mouth that it doesn't matter how many calories it has or how much you eat. It's just the putting it in your mouth. And it was like all these all these signals were going off like, I could totally try this because there was no real rules to it other than fasting. And so I thought I could try this. So I tried it and I was shocked when it worked because I really didn't expect to lose any weight. And I started losing weight and I thought, well, that's good, you know, lose a couple pounds here or there, that's that's good. But I still never really trusted that it was going to work long term. So when I started out, I was like probably around 160 pounds. I'm 5'4", and I was a size 12, and it was like a tight 12. Like I could have, I would probably keep going up if it had not been for finding intermittent fasting. But um, I started to lose a couple pounds to where my jeans were starting to feel really big. And so I went shopping and I'm not one that likes to go shopping because finding jeans in particular is hard for me because I get disgusted because most of them don't fit well. So I haven't shopped for jeans in years. So I went shopping. I was hoping that I would get into a size 10. And lo and behold, it was an eight. Like I totally skipped the size 10. So I came home, I was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. You know, I I have never been a size eight. So I was all excited. So I still didn't buy any more new clothes because I kept thinking it's not going to last. I'm not going to stay here. Who am I kidding? So about a month goes by and I go to buy myself one more pair of pants (laughs) in size eight. So I go shopping and Again, the same thing happened. I and I hadn't even lost any weight in between this time. This was like a month had gone by to go shopping again, and now I'm in a six. And I didn't even lose any more weight. So that's why I I hate to even get stuck on these numbers because it doesn't mean anything really because your body recomposition starts happening and you know that's why people should measure themselves and not just rely on the scale because scale isn't the whole story so I started taking measurements and I had lost like five inches in my waist and my hips and going down sizes and I was just like I can't believe this so and it was kind of funny because still no one really noticed that I lost any weight until I had lost 30 pounds then it was like are you losing weight (laughs) yes and then I just started telling all my friends about it because I really want them all to feel as good as I feel because I had started getting Let's talk about... Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's a good point. You said how good you feel. How did you feel, Lori, when you weighed 160 pounds? And this was just a mere nine months ago, if I'm doing the math right. right you know, something right. like that. Because um, th- we're recording this in January of 2022. Okay. So when I was at the 160-pound area, I have horses. I have a grandchild. And I just felt like I was getting to the point where doing simple tasks around the barn were getting to be where I was breathing heavy, like pushing a wheelbarrow, picking up water buckets, putting my saddle on the horse. 
just little things I would find myself breathing heavy and I think this is ridiculous I'm too young to be breathing heavy just doing my daily chores but I didn't know what to do about it and then um, you know I have a grandchild and when I'd take care of him I would I would you know get tired out easy and I mean not drastic but enough where I just wasn't living in my physical fitness level where my mind was you know all the things I thought I should be able to be doing and I should have been able to be doing them were were getting tougher for me to do just because I would tire out and didn't have the energy and huffing and puffing doing these little things feeling tired well it's it sounds like you have and you've led a very physical life so if the and let's say you know you did some type of diet the calories in calories out and that includes and dr fung talks about the fallacy of that mathematical equation because you um working with horses barns saddles outdoors that's a lot of calories expended so you would think that you wouldn't have had the weight gain right but it just shows it's for anybody listening because in january this is the month everybody is cutting back what they're eating and they're exercising more which i'm all for exercise because as you know Mm -hmm. it keeps your mind sharp it keeps your muscles sharp it it helps everything about you physically but it doesn't make the scale go down Right. Or you right. or you would be the size of a fifth grader because working with horses is a very active job. Right. Right. And it's not like um it's not like I like I think a lot of people think I'm not eating enough or I'm not eating very much and that's so not true. Like I probably eat more now than I was before. It's just the how many times in a day how many snacks, how many just walking through the kitchen and grabbing that bite of something, not even thinking about it. That made a ton of difference. And now, I think that's Dr. the part Fung people even, don't understand. Right. Dr. Fung talks about, he says, if somebody were to eat, let's say, 2,000 calories a day, or maybe he says 2,400, I can't remember the number, over a 12-hour span, and, that, and another person eats it over a four- to six-hour span, it's the magic of not releasing insulin all the time that causes the person who eats it in a shorter window to lose weight. And that's what you've done. So tell me, when mm-hmm. when you first started, what was your first window, Lori, with intermittent fasting? Um, I started out with the 16-8 because um, I went from thinking like, oh, I have to eat breakfast so that I don't get too hungry for lunch. To I don't I can skip breakfast and I knew from listening to um, Jen Stevens and and um, the the fasting highway Graham to mm-hmm. um, not even have the cream in my coffee which was really hard I thought I just started drinking coffee at 52 and I needed I thought I needed all the cream you know so I mean that was my only adjustment really was not eating breakfast and taking that cream out and then I would start eating probably around 11 and um, I have the the zero app on my phone and the biggest thing I did was never go under 16 hours I set that app for 16 hours and I knew I was never gonna 
eat before that 16 hours. I think I did once. One time I felt kind of dizzy and I thought, ah, I should probably eat something. That happened one time, like when I first started. But I strive and for And what the is your window hours. now? Um, now it is, my average is 19, but I still keep my app on that 16 hours because I don't want to be tied to a regime of this is my rule because I don't want to have rules. I mean, there are where you're not eating in the morning, but that's as strict as I want to get. Like, I don't even think about how long my eating window is. I just know I'm going to stop eating like three hours before I go to bed. So like six or seven o'clock. So sometimes, sometimes I go 16 hours, sometimes 19, sometimes 20. I just eat when I'm hungry now. And it's amazing to me that you aren't hungry after 16 hours. Sometimes I'm just like, nah, not yet. And then when I do eat, sometimes I, I can eat my dinner and know I'm done. Like, okay, I ate that and now I'm done. Other times, like on the weekends, maybe I'll go longer so I can, you know, just have a more relaxed afternoon and not feel like I'm going against my plan. So I don't really want to have a strict plan. It's just getting past that 16. But I know I average 19 by my app. And what is, when I saw your post on the Fasting Highway Facebook page, are you down to 120 now? At 125. 125.6. 125.6. And it's funny because I was trying yeah. to get to 125 because that's what I weighed in high school. And honestly, when I first started fasting, I was hoping that I would get to 135. Because to me, that was realistic. That was like a goal, but it was realistic. Well, I got to that so fast. It's like, well, I could have a new goal. So I went to 125. And um, it's kind of funny, though, with the, your body does have the set weight that Dr. Fung talks about because I lost um, the big chunk of the weight right away. And I think it's probably because I was never a yo-yo dieter, so my body wasn't used to having a screwed up metabolism. So I did lose a bunch of weight right away. And then um, I would say I started intermittent fasting in April, and by August I had I had lost most of it. And then I was plateaued for four last four months, just going between 127 and 130. I could never break that. And then after Christmas, because Christmas came and I ate what I wanted with my family, is you know, I didn't restrict myself anything on Christmas. And then after Christmas, I thought, okay, if I'm going to get here by the end of the year, I'm going to really try my best to do long fasts and did OMAD one meal a day um, till the end of the year. And it was kind of funny on New Year's Eve when I got on the scale, I just started laughing because it's like I got to that point where I wanted to get on New Year's Eve. <laughs> so now I don't feel like, I, that, I feel like I'm in maintenance so impressive. now. Thank you. <laughs> and what size did you end up uh, in your blue jeans, your denim? What are you, a four six. now? Six. Nope, I'm You're still six. a six. Okay. But depending okay. on the pair, some Perfect. of them are some of them are loose, some of them aren't. But depends on the depends on the brand. And that I always wonder too: are, have brands changed since we were kids? Since I was a kid. Well, you know, they do the vanity, vanity sizing. sizing. We mm -hmm. yes, yeah, we know that yeah. because we know that women women are enticed by what we see on a scale and the tag on our jeans 
more right. than anything else. You you could tell a woman who weighs 300 pounds, that's a size zero, and she'll buy 10 of them. I mean, we're that's, all that's guilty That's true, of that. because now when I do go shopping, which I have fun shopping now and I never did before, but if I find a, a pair of clothes that fits with two different numbers, I'm gonna buy that smaller one, just because. It's just Isn't that head. crazy? We all do it. I. Yeah. I know I do it. But you're also reminding us too, and I, I try to tell my fasting clients this and myself, that the scale's a liar. It's it's a barometer. Mm-hmm. It's just one barometer. And Jen Stevens is real good. Yes, is it that's right. It is just part of your data that you have. So when you mm-hmm. started with your data, did you start by writing down like I I didn't know in the beginning to write down I knew how much I weighed because I was weighing then. I, I do now once in a while, but I didn't um, have measurements. Did you start that first day, Lori, with measurements and your the number on the um, scale? I did, and I think it's because probably hearing Jen Stevens talk about it on her podcast or something that they said make sure you take measurements, and um, so I think that's the only reason I did is probably listening to her advice. It's so valuable because it, mm-hmm. to me, has shown the most of, I mean, so you've lost 35 pounds. You're down to your high school weight. I mean, that is so <laughs> impressive. And you said in the very beginning of our interview that we're just told the doctor kind of pats us on the knee and says, yeah, you just, everyone gains a couple of pounds here and there and menopause. And a lot of times we have low, mm-hmm. slow thyroids and things like that but it is not a part of really our future if we go back to ancestral eating and that's really what you've done well and the other thing um you know the non-scale victories that people talk about a big thing for me is i have sleep apnea and now that i am at uh i went and talked to my doctor just a few weeks ago and i said i feel like i sleep better without my cpap machine now and um, she saw me come in and she goes, oh, you're, you're a normal BMI, because before I wasn't. So she said, now that you're a normal BMI, she said, now there's other alternatives because I have a deviated septum, which is partly why I have the breathing right. problem. Mm-hmm. So she said, now that I'm at a normal weight, I, there's options of maybe having surgery to open up my knows where it where it's more functionable so we're we're hoping i can get rid of the cpap machine so that to me is worth it right there to to skip a breakfast you know right right now have you read dr bickman's book why we get sick no Mm -hmm. i highly recommend it because in his book and he works with jason fung they do talks together and because He's the PhD researcher, whereas Dr. Fung has done, as in medical doctor, has done research. But um, Ben Bickman's, all of his research is based on insulin resistance. And um, he knows all about autophagy and he loves fasting and all the things. But in seeing that, and I talk about it just about in every podcast, like if I could get everybody a copy listening right now, if if I were Mm -hmm. Bill Gates and I could spend all the money in the world, I would because it's so valuable. But what he's saying, too, is... Anybody really with some weight gain, it's an insulin resistance issue. 
and what okay. you are now is insulin sensitive. So at 160 pounds, you were insulin resistant, and a part of it was all day eating, snacking. Dr. Fung has really taught me a lot, and I really tell my clients now to put down the snacks because do because even if you do have a shorter window of releasing insulin you shorten it even more if you cut out snacking and that's kind of what mm-hmm. dr bickman is also saying that if we can do things to reduce the amount of hours in the day we release insulin then we mm-hmm. become more insulin sensitive so i would be interested the next time you have lab work done for someone to dr bickman says we need to be getting a fasting insulin panel when we go to our physician not glucose because okay. he said glucose okay. is way down the the pike that insulin is the most predictive of your health fasting insulin of just okay. about anything you can do well my doctor did you ever um, have, i just had i just had my blood work done actually and i just talked to my doctor about it on december 30th um because oh. i had a a health score on this report and I had 95 out of 100 which was good and my the only thing that was super high and looked really out of whack was my bad cholesterol which my good cholesterol is is really good and my ratio was fine but my bad cholesterol she goes we got to talk about this number and I said I'm not concerned about it I said because I was warned before I even gave blood that when I got my report back, because I do intermittent fasting, it's gonna look like my cholesterol's too high. And I said, don't ask me why, I don't understand why. And she didn't understand why, but as we were talking, I said, you can't tell me I'm in jeopardy here because all my numbers are better. And she she looked at my history and she says, you're right. She goes, now I'm gonna have to go look this up. She said, because now you have me wondering what what is this about, you know? So I have to look, I have to learn more about that. I just saw where Megan Ramos, who is with Dr. Fung, Mm -hmm. um, with the IDM, the Institute for Dietary Management maybe in Toronto, Canada, she just published a paper on why intermittent fasters sometimes have high cholesterol and what she oh. recommends and i really need in fact i need to mm-hmm. google it i mean put it here and put it in the show notes about this because i sent it to my intermittent fasting client so i'll have to i'll pull this um for one thing we need we don't need low cholesterol for longevity we know that and dr uh bickman i think points that out and another doctor did too um that what we need higher cholesterol allows our sex hormones to communicate so we need it but if you sometime google overall mortality it's caused it's uh, nature.com has the study it shows that people with low cholesterol have higher incidence of mortality and the average was 170 of the uh, total cholesterol so having even cholesterol over 200 is this is not medical advice i'm telling you from my personal yeah. experience mm-hmm. it's anecdotal just because my lawyer wanted me to tell you that um but it's fine but megan ramos what she said was what she is now telling people to do is before they give go for their lab work and you go with fasting you know they want you to have obviously fasting which is nothing for us i mean right it, it's hard for me <laughs> to go when i'm not fasting 
Right. Yeah. So with that, she said to do three days of about 14, 13 or 14 hour fasts to have longer eating windows and to eat more dietary fat, like have a strong, a, t- a more strict keto diet before you have that lab work done. And she said in her experience, that leveled out that cholesterol number more than any other thing. Hmm. It's a mystery. So it because it's something we all kind of get we get pushback when we go. <clears throat> any of my clients will come back and say, "Well, I went and had my lab work done." Every one of them, Lori. Everyone says, "I've been fasting eighteen hours and my cholesterol's up," and so it's just something to take with you as part of your arsenal. Now, we do know our blood glucose does come down. We do know that in the mornings, though, the dawn effect, blood glucose, um, the pancreas will release one little push of insulin in the morning. So sometimes if we have our blood glucose in the morning, we might see that comes up a little bit, but it's not. Again, Dr. Bickman says, don't look at blood glucose, look at your fasting insulin. He said more than your AONC, which is just looks back at three months. Uh, but he said fasting insulin has more um, health. It's more predictive of your health than any other thing you can do. It ha- he says it has 20-year predictability about health markers is just your fast- fasting insulin. So tell me, do you follow any certain diet? Did you cut out wine? Did you cut out white bread or anything like that? I, I mean, I hope I don't get... To any booze for saying this, but I really haven't given up anything. I it's mainly Good. just the time, you know. And I I I feel like I should be eating better. Um, my husband is who's been really really supportive of me. We realized um, that he's always done intermittent fasting naturally. We just didn't know it, like we because we didn't we didn't realize it. But um, so he pretty much um, fasts along with me. Now it's so cute. He'll say to people that strangers, we're intermittent fasters. <laughs> and I just think it's so funny that Isn't he that says we, we are intermittent fasters. But he's the one who does <laughs> most of the cooking around here because he's um, retiring and I'm the one that's gone all day. And he's not a big veggie guy. So um, we, don't, we don't eat a lot of veggies. So I try to get him in where I can. But um, I really haven't given up any anything I try I, I don't have as much sugar and things like that snacky things because just the time the time limit you know it, it keeps you from eating all the all the stuff you shouldn't but and I That's try right. to remind myself there's real food and there's uh, there's just some some show I was watching or I don't know I've been trying to educate myself so much here but it's like there's real food and there's products <laughs> You know, and you think about all the foods that come in packaging, chips and cookies and all that stuff, and it's like, it's not real food even. You know, it's just like, it's a product. So I've been trying to remind myself of that and, and you know, just remind remind myself of that. It's like, you're not eating food. What do you want to eat when, when you're in your small, when, you, when you're in your window, do you want to be eating things that are going to nourish you or things that are going to just be chemicals or crap, crap for your body. 
Hey friends, if this is your year to lose weight, I can help. I'm a certified integrative nutrition health coach and I received a lot of training personally just as an intermittent fasting success story myself. And now I've been coaching people since 2021 and people who have lost a lot of weight. You may have heard the story with the chef from Arkansas who's lost over 90 pounds is still losing weight. Lots of women losing 30 and 40 pounds because I know the science and I can help you. You can reach out to me by going to the show notes. You'll see a link or you can just email me fasting at lisafishersaid.com. You can go to my website and see that same link. But kids, I can help you. I can partner with you. I can show you the science. It's resetting your hormones. That's what this is. It's not a caloric imbalance. It's a hormonal imbalance, and I can help. Fasting at lisafishersaid.com. Dr. Bickman addresses that. He says, if you're buying foods with barcodes and in bags, you're not buying food. Right. Because we know that the hyperpalatability that comes with processed foods, it circumvents our brain's ability to, to recognize satiety. And what real foods do Mm. is produce satiety. Now, in reference to what you're talking about, the vegetables, there is, you know, the whole carnivore lifestyle is about real meats. Um, You know, that would include dairy products for a lot of people if you're not sensitive. Um, And those people, there's the guy behind Food Lies. Uh, I've interviewed him. He's absolutely fascinating. He's an intermittent faster, of course, and Dr. Fung. I mean, he's lock, step, and barrel and everything we're talking about. But um, he says even to only eat the vegetables in season because Mm. when you start eating vegetables that aren't in season, they're being shipped further places, more chemicals are used, and they produce anti-nutrients to you. So we're in the middle of winter now, mm-hmm. and the root vegetables just kind of finished. We probably have some, you know, they'll stay in your pantry for a long time. You can get them at your farmer's market or whatever, but we won't see greens again until, well, we will in Arkansas before you will. You're practically at the North Wisconsin. Pole in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, so, right. So well, we my- will see green things. I have an aunt, my Aunt Shay, 80-some years old, yoga instructor out in Massachusetts who's very natural in every sense of the word. And she came to visit here, and we don't have, like, Whole Foods and, you know, places like that for her to shop. And she was very disgusted of where she was even going to get any food while she was here. So I took her to a local grocery store, so not a big chain grocery store, but a local grocery store, and she looked at our produce and she was like, no, I can't eat it. She said, that's all compromised. And this was before I started learning yeah. about any of this stuff, and I just giggled to myself. I'm like, they're vegetables. How can how can they be compromised? They're just vegetables. But she was like, no. She goes, I need a farmer's market. So we found a local farmer that was selling food on the side of the road, and she said, this I can eat. You know, and I, I thought that she was overboard, like, you know, like I didn't, I didn't get it. And she's the one, like when I lost weight, I sent her a picture and I said, I'm finally listening to you. <laughs> so she was proud that I was finally listening to her. But we just don't, yeah, we don't have that many places up here to even shop for good food. 
We do have our meat. Have you? Right. Well, which is very important because you do have dairy farms, obviously. Yeah. So you can, and and that's another thing I know that a lot of the health space, and that's where intermittent fasting kind of falls in, is eating the locally grown uh, meats because of the microbiome. We know our microbiomes are helped and and it's more beneficial for us to eat from the cows and uh, i have pig farmers here too that i try to get all their anything that they're selling at the farmer's market i stock my freezer with that because it improves my microbiome because it's local foods for me so Mm -hmm. you do have that advantage of kind of pursuing that have you then um have you addressed your gut health Uh, i mean have you looked at like kombucha or sauerkraut or any of those things no Mm -mm. no that's that's kind of a movement that a lot of people in the health space will start saying Uh, the problem is to me though with intermittent fasting i get full so easily that (laughs) i i i can't eat as much as what you know, my eyes are bigger, or my stomach, what is it, my eyes are bigger than my stomach? You know, right. whatever my mother would say, that if I ordered more, I get more right. food than I can actually get in. So I am, but I do try to get um, some real yogurt, and that's one thing you have, you can get there, is real mm-hmm. cultured yogurt. Um, but finding cultured vegetables, like uh, sauerkraut is always a good option. Not just pickled, but they're cultured vegetables that those are also things that help our microbiome because we also see in science and dr fung i think yes he's talked about this that the microbiome meaning a sample of your gut the second brain right of somebody who is obese is different from somebody who is thin so your microbiome Lori, you have changed it in the last nine months because now you have a thin person's microbiome because your body's responding now there are some okay. people who try to do these things and they can't they really can't lose the weight because they might still have the microbiome of an obese person and they have to work harder. You just oh, really that's, that's interesting because yeah, I have a lot of people that I've started on intermittent fasting and I feel bad when they don't see instant results like I did cuz then it's like well, what am I doing wrong? You know, when I'm trying to find a a solution and I know that Dr. Fung and them say you know that there's a lot of healing going on inside your body it's not all just what you see on the outside it's not just the physical weight there's just so many things that need to be healed inside well and that's hard to tell someone because you're just really looking for that satisfaction of wearing the smaller clothes Mm -hmm. that's right but you also said something that's very important you have not spent your life dieting, and mm-hmm. we live in a culture of a diet philosophy. So most women who are, you know, a grandmother age, I don't know how old you are, but a grandmother age, have done, you know, a handful up to 20 diets. Well, you don't have right. any. So you really started at a good spot. So the people who do have a lot of healing to do with dieting, their microbiome, um, you probably had a cleaner diet than you thought, but it also could be the fact that you might be eating a lot of the local dairy products that are available in your area. Mm -hmm. I I have, that I have all my life. was your Mm -hmm. microbiome. Okay. Um, So 
uh, over Christmas, now your weight, you got your lowest dip, but did you gain a few pounds just from the holidays? My weight fluctuates four pounds in a day. It's really, that's why I say this, the scale is just data because um, on New Year's Eve after I got to my magic number, uh, my husband had made us steak and potatoes and corn for dinner and it was a huge steak and I had my plate just piled and I ate it all and after I ate it all I felt like I had a bowling ball in my stomach because I wasn't used to eating um, such a big portion of meat anymore and I mean that's when you're supposed to look for your satiety signals and stop before you get to that point but you know it was New Year's Eve and I outdid myself but then I, I, I said to my husband the scale's going to be up about four pounds in the morning and it was because of the physical food in my stomach and you know so so I know that this I know now I should go more about the feeling of my clothes than that number because that number really doesn't mean a whole lot and I also know there's you know from looking from being on the different Facebook groups and stuff there's people that weigh much more than me and they're size two or a size four you know so I know that number doesn't mean anything so I kind of felt I, I have a Facebook page of my own with my friends in it that I try to encourage them to get healthier and I posted my um, getting to that weight on New Year's Eve and I kind of questioned if I should do it or not because I didn't want anyone to judge their weight against mine because I know it's just an individual number and it has nothing at all to do with where they're at because I know it's all relative. Like I know um, that I still have more body fat than I should have just because my weight number is down. I still have um, enough body fat because I, I go to this wrestling coach at the high school where I work and he has a um, some kind of a meter that you hold on to it and it sends I don't know how it works but it can it can tell by the pulses or I don't know how it works but it can tell you how much body fat you have and I'll use that and according to that and according to the charts I look at I'm still not in the best place you know I still have room for improvement there even though my weight number is not that that bad so I know that number is just a number it's just it's just a number for me it's it has nothing well, to do with anyone the else very or what they should number, have right that's right it's the very number that would encourage me to reach out to you because it's so inspiring you're showing somebody who is because you said postmenopausal grandmother that you're back down to your high school weight but in your high school mm -hmm. days, you didn't have the estrogen, testosterone, progesterone balance you have now. And with that, we do have more fat as we age, which is fine. You know, mm -hmm. what, I, I don't mind it. I don't, I, I'm not trying to fight nature um, as I age. I'm just trying to fight my own tendencies to have eaten all day and to do things that <laughs> were totally the wrong advice for me. Because right. for years we were told to eat every three hours or to eat six times a day. And breakfast is the most Which now we know is day. insane. Yes. I know and it's so hard to so hard to t talk to people about it. I you know there's just so much to learn 
till you start to to have this dumb moment where it's like oh, of course this all makes sense and you wonder like why don't kids learn about this in school why oh it's frustrating now it's frustrating because I feel like why are we all led astray you know and as I mean we can have our ideas of why that is but um I wish that all kids would learn about this in school so that they don't have diabetes and you know have you know the, the diabetes around is, is horrible and I'm lucky that I never got to that point just fortunate that yeah. I never reached yeah. that well also you have to follow the money the food industry and big pharma mm-hmm. have a lot to do that's what I was thinking and didn't for. want to say it mm-hmm. oh we'll say it I'm yeah. right Who's going to get mad? Yeah. Who's going to disagree yeah. with that? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you seen what they feed kids in public schools? I mean, the chart, the carton mm-hmm. of chocolate milk, um, the pizza that's not even real ingredients, yeah. applesauce. It's work in a so school. high mm-hmm. in sugar and carbs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Then you know. Then you know. Yeah. And and then um, the juices and all the things. I mean, it's it it's an industry that doesn't want us healthy or they would all go belly up you know big pharma would go belly up if we didn't need the medicines um i will say on an aside i did have two children with deviated septums that they had the surgery and it did fix (laughs) it fixed uh my son's yeah my my son's mouth breathing um and also any snoring they had so Oh, that's that's yeah, exciting uh, just, for me to yeah, hear. Just an aside. I mean, again, I, I get no you. commission whether you do yeah. that or not, because um, yeah, it's well, not I a cosmetic that. procedure. Yeah, no. my son didn't have a nose job, but he had his tonsils out and adenoids out as an adult, which is really bad. I don't recommend it. But mm-hmm. they um, they call that the TNA procedure, which I thought TNA meant something else. It's tonsils <laughs> and adenoids. But okay. also, when they did TNA for him, they did deviated septum. Oh, and he had polyps um, uh, in a sinus cavity. But he can now breathe, and he isn't congested. <laughs> what was the name of the method or procedure? Because they have different options for me they want me to check into. Um, well, TNA is what we think. One thing, but it's tonsils and adenoids. You probably don't need that. But with it, they said... Um, they noticed his septum was deviated mm-hmm. and that um that with the tonsils and adenoids made him a mouth breather and when they okay. uh go through and fix the septum which it i mean it felt like falling off a log backwards for the doctor i mean he does it every day but then they clean out your polyps because some people get sinus polyps he's a redhead and they have more allergies than your average bear hmm. um but now he can breathe beautifully so i i do awesome. recommend uh the deviated really septum surgery if if you want to make the plunge because that's it it's also um we think of people being overweight as the ones who need a sleep apnea um any type of breathing equipment at night but you're showing you're slim but it's anatomical now it's your anatomy right that's right messed up. that's and that's that what my doctor told me in the beginning she said you just have a, such a narrow narrow airway and then you go lay down and everything relaxes and closes everything off and but oh it'll be nice so, to get um, rid of that yeah tell me you you said you have about a five hour window do you eat two meals in that time it depends on the day 
like if I have um, on the weekends for sure it's at least two if not more because I, I, I don't want every day to feel like I'm um, holding back I guess I would say and I just look at it like even if I have some days where I eat several times or maybe like a whole six hour window and I'm eating off and on throughout the day it doesn't bother me because I look at it like I used to do that all day every single day for weeks and months and years so if I do it once in a while now who cares you know so um, now my eating window sometimes it's a half hour sometimes it's an hour sometimes it's seven hours it really depends on who I'm with and what we're doing and I honestly don't even keep track of my eating window. I only keep track of my fasting window. So I know I'm giving myself a break. And I mean, I just look at it like that's anything anybody can do. Um, because if you stop eating like say seven o'clock at night and go to bed, wake up at seven, that's 12 hours. You know, that's what I tell a lot of my friends who say, how can you go that long? And it's like, well, if you quit, if you quit at seven o'clock, that's 12 hours that you're fasting right there for 12 hours and wait a few hours, skip breakfast, there you go. And it's like, so it sounds so doable that way. Like you just skip breakfast and there you go. But um, giving up the cream is hard for a lot of people, you know, but it's just because you don't think of the insulin part. That's what people have to learn because you look at like, it's just a little bit of cream, you know, or like now people say, oh, I suppose you can't have this or you can't have that. And I, I'm always like, don't feel sorry for me. This is not a chore. This is a choice I'm making. And I can have whatever I please. It's just that I'm not having it right now for, for breakfast. I'm just waiting a few hours. It's not, a, it's not hard. It's not hard at all. It's very easy. If it was hard, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be the one talking to you right now of how, how you can do it. I'm, I'm the one who right. makes things easy. And, but me once too. I believe in something, then everybody's going to hear about it. And sometimes people tell me, shut up. I don't want to hear about it. I don't, I don't want to hear about fasting. And so I, I like have to bite my tongue sometimes and not talk about it because if, if you don't want to hear about it, that's, that's okay. But I hope someday yeah. you want to hear about it. And then I'll be here to tell right. you about it all, all you want to hear. Because we feel so much better. Um, one thing Jen Stevens reminded me, I've interviewed her uh, many, many times, but on my podcast a, a couple of times. And this last time she reminded us about, doc, you know, the argument, I, I get this pushback sometimes, but Dr. Fung says we can have cream in our coffee up to 50 calories or we can have bone broth. And Jen says it like this, and you may have heard her say it, but when she said it, it it gave me a good retort now she says well i call those training wheels and she said mm -hmm. i really want to ride the bike without the training wheels and so it's better just to do without because it actually makes it harder because what people often don't realize insulin's role is so important but one thing it does is it lowers the blood glucose which makes you hungry so if you mm -hmm. put a little cream in the coffee and you're still calling it fasting you're making it harder on yourself. Same thing with the diet sodas. The people say, but it has zero calories. I just, you know, want to pull yeah, my hair out. That's my husband. Say, but it, we it doesn't have matter. To argue this, yep. Right. Right. It's not the calories, people, we've been that we have been lied to about the calories. Though they're important, they again, like I said earlier, they're not 
a mathematical equation that works or we'd all be the same size we were when we were in third grade because we would use the math but they produce a hunger and we know from the minnesota starvation experiment with world war ii conscientious objectors in the 40s that hunger is a very powerful hormone ghrelin g-h-r-e-l-i-n mm-hmm. the ghrelin hormone is so powerful that it doesn't matter how much willpower you have if the ghrelin is yelling at you and if you're drinking zero calorie drinks with flavor if you're putting cream in your coffee or if you're drinking bone broth all day you're really making yourself hungrier yeah so in the very beginning lori did you start with the clean fast what we call the clean fast of just unsweetened tea black coffee and water right and i you know that was thanks to listening to jen stevens and um later the fasting highway i just i i feel like sometimes things come to you just because they were meant to be you know like i just randomly found jason fung and i just feel like sometimes you're just meant to hear things like i was meant to hear that right off the bat so that i could and once i get um where i'm interested in something then i go crazy i mean my family laughs at me because i go to youtube for everything you can't you can't learn everything on youtube but that's how i am like i i will learn all i can about it because i don't do anything half-assed if i'm into horses i'm gonna be into horses if i'm i like i'm a quilter i might have a quilt behind me i'm into quilting you know and and now it's fasting i'm gonna learn all i can because if i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it to the best of my ability all the way because I don't want to let myself down and have it not work and then feel like I'm a failure because it didn't work. No, I'm going to give it my all and I'm going to learn everything I can about it. So so now that it's fasting, I'm learning all I can about it. And then when I find something really works and is good for you, I can't keep it to myself either. Like I, I, you know, like I think some people just hide fasting like there's some meme i saw with jason fung the first thing about fast club is you'd never talk about fast club you know it's like (laughs) about that movie fight club but i i am not like that it's like if someone says you look great what are you doing i'm like sit down let me tell you let me tell you exactly (laughs) what i'm doing because i want all my friends to have longevity and be able to spend time with their grandkids and outrun them in the yard and ride horses till we're 80 and i want to be able to do all that stuff and i want my friends here with me so i'm going to tell them all about it (laughs) yeah me too i do the same thing now with your non-scale victories your nsvs uh, you have beautiful hair did you notice that your hair texture that your hair got thicker or the color changed or anything about is it shinier i don't i don't think so i don't think so um no i'd like to say yes but i don't think so i mean well, that's, maybe um, maybe one yes. thing a I lot just, of people will notice is is hair yeah, your hair is just, beautiful I've, I've always had healthy hair i guess so so it was never bad to begin with so i probably just always was lucky to have nice hair it's gray i hear um, some people other you thing, know that their hair stops growing gray but i haven't i haven't had that happen yet either i quit yeah, i quit I've, that yeah, though i quit i don't dye my hair anymore well it's beautiful it's absolutely Thank people you. can't see it because we're not you, you have slow internet speed. We usually show these on YouTube, but um, because of slow internet speed, we're not 
able to uh, capture that video today, but you have beautiful hair. The other thing you mentioned that I thought is real important for people to hear is that uh, if, if you are weighing daily, you could be up four pounds tomorrow, but you didn't. Right. Jen Stevens always says you did not gain four pounds. Right. It it could be that you hadn't pooped. Yeah, or right. you ate something that inflamed you, or I mean, or I don't had know. A big steak. It could be a number of things. Yeah, big steak mm-hmm. the night before. Because I noticed over the holidays, I was probably up a few pounds, and I'm back to my normal weight. Or if I eat um, anything with salt, I'm going to have pounds from the water retention or whatever you get from eating a lot of salt. If I'm eating pretzels or potato chips or something like that, I'll wake up in the morning, can't get my rings off, and just bloated from eating that. Okay, I, uh, Dr. James D. Nicolatino or whatever, he, he's on um, social media. Dr. James D. Nick is what he's known as, D-I-N-I-C. He says that um, the puffiness you get in the morning is not from the salt, it's from the processed foods. Mm. If you, He says you need more salt in your diet, real salt, not Morton's crap, but like sea salt, um, Himalayan salt, Himalayan, Celtic yeah. salt. Yeah, Himalayan. He says you need more of that, that actually the puffiness and all you get is from processed foods. He said if we cut anything out of our diet that's white, it should be flour and sugar, but not salt. He says to add salt to your diet. Hmm, okay. Again, this is not medical advice. It's yeah. what he has said. Mm-hmm. But it's it's what a lot of us think we demonize salt. Remember in New York, they don't even put salt shakers, or they didn't, on the tables because they demonized it when they need to be demonizing um, fake sweeteners, flour, mm-hmm. and sugar. Right. And so that's kind of his philosophy. So that's somebody you might want to look up since you like looking up things. Um, I do. Uh, look up what he says about that. And so I have added. Um, I do the LMNT um, salt electrolytes because that's another thing that as an intermittent faster, we do lo- lose some electrolytes and that might cause the headache in the beginning and some other things. So I get these LMNT packets. I'll put that in the show notes. Let me write it down. LMNT. Um, just because it doesn't have sugar or anything. Some of those electrolyte packets do then have sugar or artificial mm-hmm. sweeteners and I don't want that either. But the LMNT does help uh, keep us nourished with salts and electrolytes. And sometimes I will just, in my kitchen, go, you know what? I'll take some Himalayan salt. I'll add it. I'll eat it. I'll you know make sure my foods are salted. I do not refrain from salt well, because Dr. James D. You know, Nick, yeah. that same that guy, also says that with blood pressure, that um, of the 100% of people who have high blood pressure, it's like only 60%, only 40% have it where it has some type of salt connection, but 60% of high blood pressure could be that you don't have enough salt. Sounds hmm. crazy. I'm telling you, sounds like I'm making it up. But like you, I go and research everything. So I have mm-hmm. been looking that up. I don't have high blood pressure, but I do talk, you know, I know a lot of people who do. And so that, it has fascinated me. And I've always thought salt was a wonderful thing because it is. It's delicious. Especially and Himalayan. And it makes food so much better. Mm-hmm. Himalayan salt's so good. Or the, um, 
the Celtic, the sea salt, Redmond sea salt that Jen Stevens talks about. You order that and it comes, I got it in the big container and I have uh, smaller ones and I have that kind of in my kitchen anywhere and it is so good and it's just, again, it's I buy blocks of that body. for my horses. I buy blocks of red right, for my horses. Right, exactly. It's like exactly. Your, better your care horses, of my horses are than myself. In, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Your horses are in great shape. Well, Lori, you have a great story. Thank you so much for letting me talk to you and letting people hear it. I can't wait to post this because you're just uh, you're just someone who's just done it naturally. You haven't overthought it and the weight has fallen off. So congratulations. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe and download all the episodes and leave a review, won't you? The Lisa Fisher Said Podcast is produced by ClantonCreative.com.